Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm Juliette Lamar. We have with us today Stephen Wakeling. He is the founder and CEO at FOBO. Welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, give us a, a, an idea of what FIBO is and what you guys do there. Yeah, FOBO is an um, enterprise software services company. Um, so we do a couple of different things. Uh, uh, most people probably won't know about Fobio, but many of uh, your listeners may have interacted with some of our services. Um, our flagship service is a uh, B2B software called SafeTrade that is essentially all of the back-end software uh, and operations and logistics for many of the trade-in uh, programs that you might have seen in like electronics or wireless stores. So if you go into like a Verizon store or into an Apple store, you have an opportunity to trade in your old device, whether it be, a, you know, your old iPhone, or your old you know smartphone or your old laptop um, for instant store credit on a new purchase. So um, SafeTrade is kind of the, the whole back end for that. It's the integration into their POS software or their website um, uh, and then basically everything that needs to happen to be able to kind of deliver that instant credit uh, to, you know, like in, in, in even like, you know, selling the device at secondary, you know, auction and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's our kind of primary service. So some of your, um, some of your listeners may have, you know, traded in an old phone when they bought a new one. That's going to be kind of much more popular. Um, and then also we have a, a, another completely unrelated uh, enterprise service that's called Rodeo, uh, which is a, um, uh, it's a communication tool primarily for retailers. So it's a little bit like Slack or GroupMe, uh, except it's uh, basically custom built for the needs of retailers. Um, and uh, we have a lot of kind of integrated functions that allow it, uh, you know, easy administration and these kind of really broad uh, sales uh, uh, kind of focused organizations um, where they have people kind of all over the country uh, who have, you know, basically have to sell things in a retail environment. Uh, and then we utilize uh, AI to, to kind of build this thing called RodeoBot that helps them, you know, remove the administration from the retail um, environment so that they can focus on delivering, uh, you know, much better uh, customer experience. So those are the kind of two things that, uh, that uh, we do today. So basically, you're saying that a lot of people are probably already using uh, Fobio, but we just don't even know it. It's just kind of operating in the background. Yeah, so kind of like all of our software products are essentially geared for enterprise, right? So uh, some people, you know, if you're working in a Target store, you may be using Rodeo on your device, uh, uh, you know, to kind of communicate with the people who are around you. Um, but and you may be aware of it if you're working in a, a retail environment that we're partnered with, whether you're going to be using our tools integrated into their uh, POS system. But yeah, I mean, like it's a uh, safe trade and Rodeo are pretty much enterprise back end kind of software solutions. Uh, we kind of pride ourselves on building things that are kind of customer grade uh, for like the, you know, enterprise uh, B2B environment. Very cool. So how did you get involved with this company? Give me a little bit of your own background and how you ended up creating Fobio. Yeah. So we um, started about uh, eight years ago, 2010 officially. 
um, uh, and, you know, with any kind of startup, there was always like the, you know, the kitchen table or the garage phase where it's like anybody's guess, you know, when the conversation turned into a business. But um, I had some experience uh, with this space, uh, this weird niche kind of trade in uh, software services space. Um, uh, I started uh, with a company called FlipSwap uh, that no longer uh, exists. They were kind of acquired by a competitor a few years back. But um, they were trying to, you know, I basically was just interested in working at a startup. So I uh, was uh, kind of midway through uh, a, a master's program at Michigan State uh, and decided, you know, I'll, I really was just so fascinated with uh, with, uh, with startups. And I was listening to kind of the early, you know, mid-2000s. So this was like, uh, you know, 2005, six. I was podcast about startup culture. And I was just kind of, you know, so fascinated about the things that were happening at Facebook uh, and like Akamai and all these crazy things. Like I was listening to all this this week in tech podcasts and craziness. So I was so fascinated and I, I just wanted to kind of go and I didn't really have any ambition necessarily to start a company. I don't even think at that point, I was just like really interested to see what was going on. Uh, so a friend of mine uh, had an apartment in LA uh, and uh, kind of was able to kind of get a, you know, sweetheart deal uh, to stay in LA for a couple of months and, and try to find a job anywhere I could. Uh, so uh, I went out and, and basically I, my kind of I was looking for a startup that was like a going concern. I didn't want to work with, with uh, somebody who's just getting something started. I wanted to, you know, some post-funding, post-revenue startup. And I didn't really want to commute very far. So I was living in Hermosa <laughs> Beach at the time. So I was basically limited to like the L.A., West Bay region of like Hermosa, uh, Redondo and Torrance. Um, and so I just looked for startups like with a basic Google search. Uh, and I found this weird company and went and knocked on the door and, um, you know, just basically told them I was willing to do whatever it is that they needed, uh, whether it be like sweeping up the floors or writing their press releases um, and, uh, you know, kind of gave them a little bit of my background. And they were just at this weird spot where they were able to kind of hire me on the spot. And uh, they gave me this really weird title called the X Factor, where uh, I was just solving <laughs> problems by whatever means necessary. And I reported to the CEO and just basically got to go and just, you know, learn. Uh, it was a little bit like a, like a junior chief of staff role uh, where I got to kind of go and, and, and uh, see all the crazy things they had going on. And, and, uh, and you know, just, you know, basically play armchair CEO. Like I'd be like, well, I think this is a really bad idea. I'm going to go and do it. And I'll be like, you know, maybe I was right. Maybe I was not. It was like a low risk CEO. So um, I learned a lot about that space. I moved on. I went on to work at a, a startup in New Orleans, kind of post-Katrina after that. Uh, and uh, I kind of always had this ambition after that experience of doing something myself. You know, it was really interesting kind of hanging out with a group of people who had started their own business and kind of like were growing it. And it's just so intoxicating. So I kind of always intended to go back. Um, and in kind of like 2009, 2010 timeframe, kind of at the depths of the global financial crisis, I felt like, you know, this was like a probably as good a time as any uh, to start a business, mainly because I felt like there were no jobs to be had. So, you know, like pretty low mm-hmm. risk for me to just start a business. And um, after a couple of different um, ideas with some friends of mine, and then it went from, you know, like we initially started working on this, um, uh, like, uh, you know, green tech kind of uh, solar uh, like small installation solar, like building integrated photovoltaic that we were going to try to get off the ground and spend a bunch of time working on that business plan and ultimately decided that we didn't want to get venture capital 
because um, we wanted to have a lot of control and just kind of have fun building it. And if it took a long time, we didn't want a lot of pressure to do things that we felt like were short term. So I kind of like over a beer said, well, the only thing I could think of that we wouldn't need to raise tons of cash for would be this crazy trade-in business. And so basically on the back of the conversation over a beer, we decided, okay, let's just do that. <laughs> and uh, started to work on the kind of uh, initial kernel of the, the uh, kind of software platform that is today safe trade. Uh, and have continued to grow basically that, you know, we built it. I went out and, you know, begged a bunch of people to use it. And, uh, and you know, we kind of got off the ground pretty quickly uh, and kind of have grown that to kind of over $150 million in revenue over the last couple of years. So pretty, uh, pretty cool. Congratulations. That's such a, that's such a unique and fun story as well. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I think, you know, we really were, uh, you know, had enough experience with startups to know that like you, uh, you know, could really enjoy it, you know, like the kind of building of it, you know, like, so we didn't have so much of the pressure that we had, you know, we weren't going to board meetings with, you know, Clatter Perkins and, you know, getting a lot of pressure from PE groups that we needed to grow, 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 grow. So we really had the opportunity to kind of grow organically uh, and and Mm -hmm. establish a culture that we, you know, really felt like we could be proud of, which I think, you know, know, looking back was like so important to our continued growth. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I love that about startups. I mean, you, you touched on it, how you're working in the startups from from the beginning when you got your first job and they're like, sure, you can just be yeah. the X factor. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I love about startups is it is such an opportunity for people to just show what they can do. And there's no like place for somebody like, okay, you're going to be sweeping the floors and you're going to be doing this. It's everyone is collaborating together to create the best product, best brand, best whatever. And I love that because it's such an open open door for creativity. Yeah. And I mean, I hadn't gone to business school. I had no real kind of pedigree. I'd never exited a company before. So the way I looked at it, like no one in their right mind would be hiring me to kind of run this company in the early days. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, kind of by bootstrapping it and doing it ourselves, all I was being provided was an opportunity to not screw up, essentially. And so as we started to kind of grow and get momentum, like I felt like this kind of pay it forward kind of feeling like, well, I Mm -hmm. need to create opportunity for other people and kind of like, you know, pick some people who may be kind of at the, you know, have a high capability, low competency, you know, who may not have proven that they can do it, but I thought they had an aptitude for something and just like give them some runway to kind of show us all. And I think, you know, that's been probably the most, uh, fulfilling part of it is like watching people realize like what they're capable of, you know, and watching them get that first win uh, is, uh, is pretty fun. And I think, you know, I've been very lucky to be able to experience that a couple of different times. Um, let's let's dive in a little bit into Rodeo and just some of the features, like such as the team engagement. I, I'm looking at it. Can you uh, explain in yeah. detail a little bit about Rodeo and how it works? Yeah. So I think like just in general, there's this huge revolution going on in business where everyone's kind of moving away from email for intra-company communication. Uh, so like you know, communications within people who work at your company, and it's all kind of moving on to these kind of chat-based platforms like Slack. Um, and, you know, we've seen retailers kind of being left out of this a little bit. Like, you know, companies that have departments and teams who are working on projects, they like, you know, Slack is like, you know, just gasoline for that environment. You know, they, 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 companies like that really thrive. But when you have like a, you know, say if you're a national retailer and you have 17 or 20,000 employees who are kind of you know, on the retail sales floor throughout the country and maybe 100 or even 1,000 people managing that organization, Slack and GroupMe and these other tools tend to be A, difficult to administer and B, um, just a lot of noise. You know, you've got these high churn environments 
you know, where you've got relatively young people with very little experience and training, all trying to kind of figure it out by osmosis at the same time. And, and there's varying stages of that, uh, you know, and a lot of these environments can be, you know, 150 more or more percent churn in a year, you know, so there's constantly new people coming in and kind of experiencing the same problem. So we saw kind of retailers in general and a couple of other different industries being left out of this kind of revolution. So initially, we just wanted to kind of build a communication tool that was, you know, kind of administration free that allowed people to communicate within their store in the same way that they would use like iMessage or Facebook or whatever to, to kind of interact with their friend groups uh, and kind of build a tool that was like comfortable uh, for them. Uh, and then mm-hmm. we saw an opportunity to kind of, you know, add some additional things that retailers need. So the ones kind of the first things that we kind of put on top of this uh, communication tool was uh, a thing we call bulletins, right? So in, in almost all retail environments, there are, you know, promotions and things happening in sales that have to come from a kind of corporate location and be driven down through uh, regional districts and store managers to reach that sales floor. And we saw them kind of these companies using email, sending out a mass email that's like, I'm sure you've seen it, like team, comma, and five paragraphs about what's going on. And, um, you know, there's really no way of knowing, like, who's reading it or, like, what the, the you know, actively the um, response rate for that is. Um, and we started measuring it and finding that the people who were sending those emails thought it was, like, 90-plus percent because, you know, they were the VP of sales and really super important in this organization and everybody must read it. Um, and we were finding that it was, like, less than 10 percent of the people were actually reading it. And most people were just deleting it without even opening it. Um, and when we asked them, you know, they're like, well, you know, if it's important, someone I work with will tell me. So we wanted to kind of uh, change this so that, A, there was some accountability around these messages. So bulletin essentially is like a tweet that can, it's a, there's a card that comes up on the phone. This is all terrible to kind of uh, talk about via podcast, you know, without the visual. But so it's basically imagine the card like you would see somebody on Tinder um, and then you can either right swipe, left swipe, or add context and like and push it down the organization. So, so you can start a, a you know a, a bulletin at the top of an organization and have it say like you know we uh, you know are having a promotion on Samsung phones uh, you know so we want to you know th- these are the details we want to sell five thousand of them this weekend you know so if you're uh, working in a store location five thousand seems to be pretty disconnected from what you could do. So then you can kind of send that out to district managers uh, who then kind of say, okay, for, you know, they retweet it to, you know, the Indiana uh, and uh, Illinois markets. Okay, this is what this means for you guys. And then, you know, they can kind of get down to the store manager saying, okay, you know, Carlos, this needs five phones from you this Friday. And I know you can do it because you did it last weekend. So, and then (laughs) you can, because everyone has kind of retweeted it down the command chain uh, and provided context, They've opened it and acknowledged. And so you can start to track uh, and kind of measure the effectiveness of the communication. So you could say, well, at, you know, two hours post-message, um, you know, Indiana is at uh, 87%, but Illinois is only at 35%. And then you look and you say, oh, the regional guy in, in, um, in Chicago hasn't, you know, sent this to his team yet. So then you can call that guy and like, hey, what gives, man? You know, this could, the clock's running on this promo. So um, kind of creating this accountability uh, and the measurement uh, was like really key to that bulletins feature. Um, and the other big feature is RodeoBot. So we used a natural language uh, uh, kind of chatbot and AI uh, to essentially create the smartest manager in your communication and your organization. So uh, RodeoBot is kind of always there. You can kind of talk to it just like you would talk to your friend, basically like, hey, uh, ask it things like, what's the return policy for Apple Watch? 
uh, and, and tell you based on like the policy that it knows um, that you can train it. Um, but you can also ask you questions like since we have integrations into time and attendance software and you know Chronos and other things, you can say I want to switch my shift on Friday. Uh, you know who, who can switch with me? They can tell you who's available that isn't over 40 hours, and then connect you with those people. Um, so uh, kind of we're trying to kind of remove all of the the TPS reports, you know, the the administration around retail, so we can focus all of the people on creating a better experience for customers. That's, that's fantastic. And you also have um, for the employees uh, notifications that are you can really customize how you get notified and yep. and you know when you're when you're annoyed by work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it gives not only the the kind of control to the the user to kind of like get stuff when they want to get stuff, you know, to, to be kind of plugged in when they want to be plugged in and not when they don't, but also gives the 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 um, uh, the corporation, you know. So like if you're in an area where you know, uh, receiving a message could be the reason to kind of put in for, you know, a half an hour of overtime or something like that. Uh, you know, you can restrict messages to only people who are on the clock. So if this is a message that is important for only the people who are working right now, uh, you know, you can queue things. So when people clock in, uh, they can get the message when they arrive at work and you're not just broadcasting it to everybody. Uh, so you can kind of be really intelligent and allow people to kind of, you know, make decisions about like what, when they're working and when they're not. And the, that can be on both sides, whether it's the, the worker or the corporation, um, but also just generally kind of like make life easier for everybody. And I think this is something that like I wish email could do, but, you know, it's just uh, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, it, all these things seem pretty uh, like no brainers. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad that yeah. you're you're making it so. <laughs> You have to ask yourself, why didn't this exist yet? <laughs> I know. Well, that's kind of what we we pretty much like all of these, like, you know, safe trade started with us saying, well, somebody's got to have figured this out by now. And looking around and finding like, wow, geez, nobody has. Uh, and then with the same thing with, uh, with uh, we started like working with retailers, doing promotions, and we realized how difficult communication was for these large organizations. So we started looking around like, oh, well, eventually they'll adopt a tool that will make this so much easier. Let's just go find that tool and then integrate with it and promote it. And we really found like, well, there's nothing really out there. Why is, how could this be? So we thought, well, maybe we should just build it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We'll just build it ourselves. So <laughs> what is the best, what is the best way for for companies to learn more about Fobile? Um, definitely, you know, hit up the website. I think there's a lot of great material there and like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, simple Google search and uh, the website has great contact information. So if you want to learn more, uh, you know, hit us up and I'm happy to, I don't know, I'll talk about it all day long. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other people <laughs> who would love to answer any questions as well. Fantastic. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for coming on Teacher Tech Podcast and, and sharing your knowledge and this great tool that hopefully will free up a lot of time and make companies much more efficient. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. That was Stephen Wakeling. He's the founder and CEO at FOBO. And you can check them out at phobio.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with CP Tech Podcast. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.